Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. Happy New Year! So uh, you could be proud for a moment. This is a humble brag moment, all right? How many of you have kept your New Year's resolution? Let's see those hands. You've kept, come on now. Hey, this is, a, this is like a middle school dance. It works better if we both participate, all right? So how many of you have kept your New Year's resolution already? You got not many more hands. Wow, this is a rough crowd. You, you guys have failed in in 72 hours, <laughs> it's going to be a long year. So, listen, as we begin a new year, most of us, we are, uh, we, we are apt to create resolutions for our life. And many of us, we want to get fit, we want to get stronger. I mean, I was, I was backstage earlier tucking in the gut, you know. You, you, you want to make it, yeah, hey, 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 my, my, this right here, my, my wife is... An amazing hot, hot, hottie. And I got her when I was driving a 1993 Geo Metro. So it, it don't look like much to you, but I'm telling you, I got game. So if you can pick up a girl in a Metro. So we start out a new year and, and we, we want to get better. We want to improve. But if we're honest, how many of our resolutions are kind of really kind of selfish? We're kind of like, well, I want to I kick a habit, you know. I want to I get in shape. I want to I to, to work out more. Or I want to eat better. You know, we, we have these resolutions. And a lot of times, it's already shown in this room, you know, they crash and burn pretty quick, right? But Dr. Drew contacted me uh, a couple of months ago. He said, Pastor Tully, listen, I want you to come to Severn Run, and I want you to encourage our people in a different way for resolutions. We're, we're talking about being on the road with Jesus, and I want to know what would happen if Severn Run was able to spend 2016 not on themselves, but really outward, leveraging everything that God has. I got to tell you about your pastor. You, you guys, you might not understand it. I get to travel and, and, and speak in other places, and you guys, a little secret, you've got one of the best churches in the country right here. You believe that? You do. You do. Hey, and if you're, you're church shopping, kicking tires today, you know what I mean? Just, stay, just plant. Just, just plant right here, you know? It's, it's a great, great, great church. If I wasn't a pastor, this would be the church where I would want to come living in the Baltimore area. But you have a great pastor, an amazing pastor. And, and, and I got to know him about seven, eight years ago when I came back home to Baltimore. I grew up here, came back home. I was uh, raised by, born to a 16-year-old unwed mother, raised in inner city Baltimore. And uh, God has done incredible things with my life. I'm the first to graduate high school in my family tree, the first not to be an alcoholic or drug addict, um, the first that went on to college and, and on to a master's program. God's just done a great thing in my life. But, but when I got here, when I got here, he, he, give it up for God. It's like awkward as a pastor. It's like, do I let them clap or do God's cool, yeah. So, so God did some, some amazing things. But here's the thing. When I got back, I want you to know something about your church and your pastor. 
out of, we have some amazing partners that helped our church get started. We started a church called Captivate uh, about six years ago, and we started in, in Towson, but now we've expanded. We have one in East Baltimore, in inner city East Baltimore, where all the, the riots were on the east side, and then we have uh, one in an area called Dundalk. About a year ago, we were given a, a property, and so we're also in Dundalk. I preach at two of them, and then I have an associate who preaches at the third. But, but with, our, with all of that, back when it was nothing but a vision, nothing but a dream, nothing but a call of God, did you know there was only one pastor in the state of Maryland that wanted to give the hometown boy a shot? And that was your pastor, Dr. Drew. Severn Run has been a partner of ours since before we even had our baby church. So uh, I just want to tell you, you're under great leadership. I love your pastor. Every time I'm around him, I feel less spiritual because he's so awesome. And uh, I, I want to be like him when I grow up. I, I, I really love your pastor. Do, uh, pastor John here, man, I've known him since, uh, you know, knee high to a grasshopper. Now, I, I, I knew Pastor John when I was about 19 years old. I was very fresh out of inner city Baltimore, and uh, we met. He hired me because I fooled him, and, and he hired me, and I worked for him at a, at a youth camp, and we became best friends. I got to thinking about best friends, though. Uh, here's the thing. Out of 7 billion people in the world, there's a lot of pressure on me because, like, I'm the best that John's got, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> you ever think about that? Like, we don't have an open relationship. We have one best friend. That's how it goes with us. But, uh, but yeah, out of 7 billion people, like, I'm it. So every day I wake up, I'm like, man, don't let John down. But, <laughs> but we love each other, and, uh, and I do consider him my brother. We've been blessed to, to minister um, throughout the years together, and we have uh, a, a great, great friendship. By the way, this is the 11 o'clock crowd. I didn't tell the 930 crowd. Did you guys know that your executive pastor has a birthday on Tuesday? Did you guys know that? Yeah. He turns 40. Four, he's ancient. He's ancient. Give him a walker. So <laughs> I've got two years. I've told him thank you because he goes two years ahead of me in life, and I can just watch whatever he does. If it works, I follow. If it doesn't, I go the other way. So, so uh, he turns 40 this year. So he told me that he accepts paper and plastic. That, that's cash or gift cards. Cash or give a So there you go. He turns, he turns 40. I love him, and uh, I'm really glad to, to, to be here. Your pastor, when he contacted me, said, listen, I, I want my people to, at Severn Run, I, I want our people to understand that they could have everything that God wants for them in this new year. Forget one resolution or two resolutions. Do you realize that, that you could have everything that God wants for you if only you will want what God wants for you? How many of you would honestly think, think about that? You would say, I want what God wants for me. Can you say that with me? I want what God wants for me. Man, if we would just get that contentment, it will overflow your soul. You'll live out your calling. You'll be, you'll be on point everywhere you go, hitting on all cylinders. Like If, if you want what God wants for you, he's, he's eager to give you what he wants for you. But in this new year, a lot of times, what we want, what God wants are different. And so we start out the new year making resolutions about how we want stuff for us and how we want things better for us. And God looks and says, man, I've got a whole world full of my kids. Would you want what I want? Would you, would you leverage your life? Would you leverage your being for the sake of all my kids? One reason I love Severn Run is that you guys, look around this room. 
You guys are, are probably the most diverse church in our whole convention. The group of churches that minister together, you guys are one of the, the top, top churches. And that matters to me because as you can probably assume, I, I grew up in, in uh, inner city East Baltimore. And uh, one of our campuses is completely African American. The other two, about 35% or so uh, other than, than white. And we have some Hispanic. And so Feliz Nuevo Año. Año Nuevo. Ugh. I, I practiced over here. But, but we, we have, I love the richness of diversity around here. And that's who Jesus is. Jesus always looked at the other, the person who was different, and did not make that a condition to walk away, but rather to run to. You think about the woman at the well, like she was different. She was hiding out, and Jesus ran to her. You think about the people who were sick and who were, who were suffering. Jesus ran to them. And I, I love Seven Run and your pastor because you guys are that kind of church. You, you guys are a church that just says, man, the more different, the better. Let's, let's just run to people. It's all, God's, all these people are God's kids. And I love that about you. I love that about your church. But for all of us, we can't want what God wants if we're not willing to leverage everything that God's given us. Today, I want to talk to you about uh, from Luke 5. But as I do, you got to think about your new year. You see, I used uh, uh, the GPS to get down here. I, I graduated from North County High, so I know the area, and I've driven down here a bunch. But Pastor John introduced me to a, a, a new app, at least for me, called Waze. How many of you guys know what Waze is, right? It's the bomb.com. If you, if you are using Google Maps, you're so 2015. You're like, you're, you're just, you're not with it. So, so Waze, it'll reroute you, like if there's stuff, if there's something on the road, it'll tell you there's something on the road. No lie, they told me there was something on the road the other day, and I, and I, I glanced at the screen, and then I hit it. So, um, <laughs> but you gotta, <laughs> but I was doing that on the way down here, but here's the thing, instructions are only as good as the person who's listening, right? I was on the way down here today, and uh, I, try, I let Waze guide me. I said, Waze, be with me. And, and, and so I did, but here's the thing, I, I passed, because my own way, I passed a, a turn, and all of a sudden, I was three minutes to here, and I became eight minutes to here. <laughs> now, here's the deal, I still got here, right, but it caused me a lot more time, a lot more energy, a, a lot more detouring than I needed, and your life is the same way as, as that. You and I can get, you know, we can get where we're going to go on our own power, but more than likely, it's going to be a, a, a lot of wasted energy. That, man, if we would just leverage for God and say, God, in 2016, I'm going to follow you and leverage everything in my life for you. And you have control over all of it. And you can guide me. And you're better than ways and certainly better than that ancient Google. And, and, and you can make things happen for my life. That's what I want to chat with you today about. Go to Luke chapter 5 with me, if you would. Luke chapter 5. Let's take this act on the road. I want all that God wants for me. It says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, this is Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. So that just sets up the scene. We're zooming in. We've got Jesus teaching. Tons of people are around him. By the way, some people think like, um, well, they're, they're, not, they're not up on, on the whole faith thing, and they're just like, well, Jesus is boring. No, he's not. Like, people crowded around him, like, Jesus isn't boring you're boring 
Like, like you're boring. The, the, there's people that wanted to come to him and, and be around him. Everywhere he went, he had crowds that were trying to chase him. And we come into a scene where he's sitting there teaching, and all of these people are crowding so much so that he decides to do this next thing, which, by the way, I think would get me arrested. Look at verse 3. Getting into the boat, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land. Let me, let me just say, let me stop right there. If I go out into this parking lot today after service and I just get into your car, I got a feeling I'm also going to be getting into the hospital. Like, like we're just not, hey, but Jesus does that. And like, there's nothing in the Bible that's like, yeah, just jumping in the boat. So, so, you know, today, this afternoon, the lesson here is go find a Lexus, sit in it. And <laughs> it's in the Bible. Here's the thing. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon, he asked him to put out a little from land, and he sat down, and he taught the people from the boat. He taught the people from the boat. We're talking about on the road with Jesus. First lesson to take away from this, when somebody is being transformed by God, because what you're going to see is a transformation of a human life. What you're going to see is somebody that leverages everything. What you're going to see is somebody that God uses in amazing, amazing ways. But the first thing that happened, it wasn't a bolt of lightning. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't this all the clouds moved and parted and doves came down. No, it was Jesus saying, hey, can you push out a little from shore? If you're jotting notes today, you might want to write this down. Small acts of obedience lead to great acts of God. Small acts of obedience lead to great acts of God. As you start off 2016, you've got to ask yourself, why is it if I'm not getting everything that God has for me? Because remember, we said, I want everything that God wants for me. And the, many of us are not getting everything that God wants from us, for us, because you know what we're doing? We're waiting for that bolt of lightning. You come to church every week. You might go to a Bible study. And, but you're just sitting back and you're like, show me something. Show me something, Dr. Drew. Sh show me that doctorate, right? But, but we're waiting for this big movement, this big flash of lightning, because we see that some places. But more often than not, a great move of God begins with a small act of obedience. And all it was was Peter, he, he's sitting there, and Jesus gets in his boat and says, hey, can you push out? Now, Peter, for those of you that may not know, Peter ended up becoming, he, he's like this man's man. Like, if you think you're rough, you think you're a man in this building today, I got news for you. You don't know Peter. Peter was a man's man. I mean, Peter's the type of dude, he, he, would, he would shoot first and aim later. You know some of those people, right? You might be sitting next to him, ladies, so don't, don't call him out. But, but, that was Peter. Peter's a tough guy. People followed Peter. He marched in when there was problems. In fact, people came to arrest Jesus, and there's this story. Jesus had told his disciples, go get some swords, because it's going to be rough. And they were like, oh, yeah, let's go, you know. And, and, and so the, these guys came to arrest Jesus, and Peter, he just pulls out his sword. Cuts this dude's ear off. You know how embarrassing it was? Jesus had a my bad, guys, my bad. He, he goes and he picks up this dude's ear. This is true, it's in the Bible. And, and, and he sticks it back on and heals the guy. Peter's sitting there with some blood on the tip of his sword like, say what? <laughs> That's who Peter was. He was a man's man. You're not going to mess with me. And, and so here was Peter. Jesus came in and said, hey, you were out all night. You, 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 you clean, you're cleaning your nets. You're done for the day. You're pretty ticked off. But will you... Will you push out from shore? 
Now, Peter went on to preach one of the greatest sermons ever recorded in Scripture. Over 3,000 people, plus uh, men plus women and children, came to, to the Lord's salvation that day in Acts. And you know what? It all started. Not with a bolt of lightning. Not with some dramatic event. Not with the falling of the Spirit. It all started with a simple act of obedience. A simple act of obedience. We're talking about being on the road with Jesus. And I got news for you. If you're on the road with Jesus this year, there are times when he's going to ask you to do some simple acts of obedience. Simple acts of obedience. If you want God to move on your behalf, start by moving on his. If you want God to move on your behalf in 2016, start your year, start your day by moving on his behalf. Do something that God would want you to do. Everything that came in Peter's life came from a simple act of obedience. You see, Dr. Drew asked me to share with you my story because the reality is every single one of you are more than likely better positioned than I was in my life. Um, I was born to a 16-year-old unwed mother, raised in the projects, um, inner city, East Baltimore. My dad bounced. I'm the first in my family, like I said, to to go on and, and have these things happen. But it all came only because basic obedience basic obedience. And what God's done since is plant these churches. We have a ministry in Kenya that we have a a school that we've built that has 100 students in it, and we're climbing to 220 as our our target because these kids weren't getting school. We put in a $50,000 solar-powered well water for thousands of people in this region in in, uh, Kenya and Tanzania. And all of this happened simply out of an act of obedience, a small act of obedience, but it didn't come from my obedience. It really came from a guy named Mr. Don. When I was 12 years old, there was this, this steel worker down in, in uh, East Baltimore, and he decided that his church wasn't reaching out to the, the inner city kids, of which I was one. And he said, you know, all I needed is a room. And so he went to the church, and the church said, fine, you can have a room. We're going to give you the basement across the street because we don't want your kids you're bringing in here to hang out with our church girls. But, but, but I was thankful because in that basement across the street from the church, I was able to learn the word of God and I was able to understand about surrender. And one day I surrendered my life to Jesus and I became a Christian. But it all became, it all came about because there was one man who listened to God and had a simple act of obedience was I want you to open up your Bible to these teens, let them know that they're welcome and loved. He had no reason to. His life was fine. In fact, he had struggles, he had worries, he had doubts of his own. He had stresses and kids to take care of, but you know, he heard from God. And one simple act of obedience changed not only my life, but most of my family. I I prayed for nine years, and one day at a funeral I was preaching my, my Mom trusted Jesus as Savior, and so now she's saved. My sisters are saved. My cousins are saved. The churches are planted. The Kenya ministry. Listen, all of that happened because there was some steel worker that said, God, I want what you want for my life. Amen? Amen. You have 362 days remaining in 2016. What will be the mark that you were alive this year? What's going to be the mark that you leave on this year to say, Lord, I, I, was, I was spinning around on that ball of mud? Now, it's certainly, I hope that you do achieve some, some better strength. I hope that you, you eat better. I hope that all that works out for you. But really, God is all about all of his kids. 
Seven billion people on the planet. And, and I, I, while it's great to come to church and it's great to go to a Bible study and it's good to, to, to drop a few dollars in the offering, is that all God wants for you? Or does he want to use his kids to change the world for all his other kids? Do you, you do realize that the only reason that you and I understand anything about the faith is that there have been generations upon generations upon generations of Christians who said, Jesus, you're Lord, and I want whatever you want for me. And he said, go. He said, go. He said, go serve and go love and go help. And he said, get out of, of, the, of the building. Get out of the box and go do. That's the only reason that you and I could even hear this gospel message today. Is because other Christians said, God, I want what you want for my life. I want what you want for my life. Your 2016 story might not start, more than likely, will not start with a blinding light moment of Paul. Most likely, it'll begin with a simple act of obedience, more like Peter. You see, what I also notice about this encounter with Jesus is that meaningful acts, they're not convenient. Meaningful acts are usually not convenient. If you think about the life-changing moments of your life, I'm pretty sure it wasn't scripted. Just go back and think about it. It wasn't scripted when you got that note from the doctor. It wasn't scripted when you saw that car accident. It wasn't scripted when that person passed away. It wasn't scripted maybe when you met, unless you were on Match.com, maybe when you met your significant other. I don't know. Christian mingle. So, why did I think of Taylor Swift's wildest dreams just now? Anyway, it wasn't scripted, but, but, but here's the thing. A lot of times, God's not on your script anyway. And so Peter was coming in from the, he was cleaning his nets. He didn't catch anything. Well, I got news for you. If you're a fisherman and you don't catch fish, you don't get no money. And if you don't get no money, your kids don't get to eat. And if your kids don't eat, your, your wife beats a snot out of you. So, so Peter could have said, Jesus, I don't have time. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus could have said, or Peter could have said, Jesus, this is inconvenient. And you know why a lot of us haven't seen a great move of God with our lives? A lot of us haven't seen a great move of God because we won't obey God in the small things. We're waiting for the lightning bolt. We're, we're, we're sitting back and saying, oh, God, as soon as you, as soon as you clear up all my finances, I'll, I'll do something. In the meantime, you're sipping on Starbucks, wearing nice clothes. We, we, we said, God, as soon as you give me a bigger house, I'll invite people over and be kind to my strangers. To strangers in my neighborhood. As soon as you, as soon as you, as soon as you, as soon as you. And God says, listen, I got news for you. I got news for you. I did everything I needed to do. 2,000 years ago, when I got up on that cross, and I opened my arms, and I made you mine. See, a lot of us talk about kingdom. Kingdom living. Bring the kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. But we miss something, subtle but powerful. You're not a part of a kingdom until you have a king. We're not really a part of the kingdom until we have a king. And let me tell you how kingship works. I mean, it's good that, that we, you know, it's good that he he's loves me and cares for me and some songs, Jesus is my boyfriend, like whatever, weird. But, 
you know, we, it's nice to feel warm and fuzzy, but you know what? He's also a king. And when it is, when, when you're under the leadership of a king, it means that the, the king is the owner of all. And then what that means is for me, if I'm a subject to the king, it means that my entire existence is the king's. And, and I think sometimes we get rocked into this comfortable way of living Christianity or churchanity, and, and we really miss out on the fact that he's a king. Yes, he's a good, good father. Yes, he's, we are co-heirs with Christ. Yes, he's the resurrected son. But, but you know what? He's also a king. Meaningful acts aren't convenient. Obeying Jesus is usually sacrificial. Verse 4, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and we've taken nothing. But at your word, oh man, that's good. But at your word, will you say that with me? But at your word, true. You ever have that person at your, at your place of employment that likes to tell you how to do your job? Yeah, my, come on now. Anybody have somebody like that? Uh, I know we're in church now, but you need to have this one bad thought for one minute, right? You got that one person. You're like, oh, Lord. I don't, I don't want them to get terminated, but I'm just saying if they did. Right? Like, like we, we, <laughs> they, they're always all trying to tell you how to do your job. And you're kind of like, man, you don't even know how to do your job. Get, out, get over your side. But then you know what's even worse is when somebody that doesn't even do your job tries to tell you how to do your job. You know somebody like that? You gotta get, amen. You know? So here's what was happening. Peter was in his boat. He's the fisherman. And this dude walks up, this new, new wannabe rabbi guy, and he walks up, and you know what his dad was? A carpenter. I can just imagine Peter, when he hears Jesus telling him what, what to do, he's probably like, man, go whittle something. Go carve something out of wood. You know, because he's kind of like, I'm the fisherman. And I don't know if you understand, but I've been out all night. I've been throwing these nuts down. I'm tired. I'm stanky. I said stanky. <laughs> From the hood. You saw, so I, 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 so he's, he's tired. He's, he's sweaty. He's stinky. He doesn't have any fish. He's, Urgh. and then Jesus says, hey, I'm going to tell you how to do your job. You see, on the road with Jesus, means that we trust what Jesus says over what we can see. When we're on the road with Jesus, it means that we trust what Jesus says over what you can see. See, Peter knew he was out all night. Peter put the stuff in the, and, and, and he put the nets in the water and he tried and tried and tried. And he, the last thing he needs is to obey a command of God. Because in the practical sense, it, it doesn't make any sense. What, what do you mean? It's daylight, man. Don't, don't you know? Do you read the uh, Farmer's Almanac? I don't know what fishermen read. But it, <laughs> I'm going to get told in the lobby, I promise. But, <laughs> but here he was. He's hearing the voice of Jesus. When you're walking with Jesus, you listen to what he says. You trust what he says over what you can see. The NIV version of this says, because you say so. I will let down my nets because you say so. Isn't that powerful? 
in your life, maybe in, in 2016, you might decide that, you know what, Lord, this year, not only am, am I going to work out, not only am I going to get in shape, not only am I going to be a better dad, not only am I going to try to go get a house or, or get a new car, not only are these all my resolutions, Lord, but, but Lord, maybe this year is the year where because you say so, I do it. Because you say so, I do it. You see, many of us, we're so Pinterest friendly at this point that like we rely on Pinterest to validate our behavior. Like some of you literally went in the last couple of weeks or maybe like yesterday and you went, and, and it's 2016 already, but, but we, we went and we got on Pinterest and we found like this, this diet and you're like gung-ho. You're, you're, you're like no milk, no sugar, no rice, no carbs, no energy, right? Like... <laughs> <laughs> like, like we're, we'll trust anything because it's on Pinterest and somebody made a cake stack like that and then you make yours and it's like a puddle of mud. But, but we, we'll trust everybody but, but Jesus. Why is it that we, we scrutinize well, like a, a thousand times over if God says to be generous and he'll pour out on you? If God says to be faithful with little and I'll give you much? If God says for us to love our neighbor as ourselves? If God says in Philippians 2, take on the mind of Christ who made himself nothing and considered others better than himself? Why do we fight so hard against that? Because, Pastor, if it's on the internet, it must be true. <laughs> Duh. But maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year where, where you say, you know what? Because you say so, Lord, I'm going to end this relationship that I don't belong in. Uh-oh. Better get out the steel toe boots now. He is stepping. Because you say so, I, I, I'm going to repent of that pet sin that I carry. Meow. Lord, because you, you say so, I'm gonna go make things right with that person that I've really offended, really hurt. Lord, because you say so, I'm gonna leverage everything you've given me for your kingdom's sake. Lord, because you say so, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. Because you say so, I'm actually going to get to know my neighbor's name. I, I just imagine, like, like when, a, when, a, when a church this size, like I look around this room and I say, oh my goodness, we, we've got, we've got stay-at-home moms and teachers and custodians and business owners and NSA employees. I'm really well-behaved. <laughs> we, we've got all of, all of these types of people and I look around this room and just say man what is the leveraging power in this room what is the total power if you're a business person you understand you're trying to maximize your business you're trying to say what is the, the total potential that we could have in our business right now what is the scalability of this thing and I just look and say man with kingdom eyes with a sanctified imagination look around this room what would God do if everybody in this room said Lord you can have all of me Lord I will leverage everything for your glory Lord you can I want everything that you want for me and what you want is for the nations to be reached what you want 
want is for the broken to be healed. What you want is for nobody to be a stranger. What you want is for everybody to be in this house. What you want is for these people in this room to go out and to serve and to love and to give like never before. You don't want me to just come to church and check a box and throw my money in the plate. You want me to have a kingdom impact on this world. What would happen to the Baltimore DC corridor if Severn Run said 2016, we're about to flip this town upside down. What would happen, church? Am I the only one excited up in this place? I look around this room and I see nothing but potential. I see nothing but potential. You see, he said to Peter, he said, but, but I want you to cast your net. You say, Pastor, I don't, what, how in the world, what do I know what God wants me to leverage for his glory? You look in your hands. Look in your hands. Do you realize that you are better positioned than any preacher to reach the people in your circle of influence? Do you realize that? I, I, I would love, Dr. Drew, Pastor John, we, we would love to be able to have conversations with your friends and your neighbors. But you're best positioned to do that. The kingdom moves if we listen to our king. When God saw, called us to start Captivate, I knew that God was calling us to start outside the city to make a difference in the city. But the reality is for generations, Christians who God had blessed packed up and moved. And with them went the hope of the gospel all around the beltway. And so what God had put a burden on my heart was to go into the hard places, go into the rough areas. But first we had to start an outpost. We had to start something that would be strong. And so we started a church in Towson. But it wasn't very long. Within a month or two, we were offered my former home church, the place where I was saved, baptized, preached my first sermon in East Baltimore down near Patterson Park. God gave us this property. And so we started an inner city ministry. And I'm telling you, like, like when all the stuff was breaking out with Freddie Gray, like, like those were our kids looting the stores. And, and, and I'm just going to tell you, when I saw somebody on TV that I recognized, we, we, we took care of it. No, I'm just, so, no, but we, we went, we snatched up our kids and just said, this isn't how to live. But you know the only reason that those kids have somebody talking some sense into them is because there's people who love Jesus and who have the hope of the gospel who are ministering in these dark places. And let me tell you something. You might say, well, I don't want to go there. It's not safe. And it's just really there. The darker the room, the brighter your light. The darker the room, the brighter your light. And you got to believe that you have the resurrection power inside of you. Do you take God at his word or not? Do you believe it or not? And so if the, the kingdom could be impacted, if the people of Severn Run would all say, you know what, in 2016, we're glad that more people are coming. But we're not coming to just congregate and sit on top of each other. There's two things that do a whole lot better when they're spread out. Salt and manure. Right? You see, because salt, when, there's this thing called snow. I know we haven't experienced it this year, but there's this thing called snow. And when you scatter salt out, it'll, it'll, it'll melt the snow and clear a path and make things right. And in the same thing for, for manure, far, farmers will tell you, hey, agriculture's all over scripture. You got to spread that stuff out. It becomes useful when you spread it out. But it just stinks up a spot if you keep it all together. And so churches are the same way. We have to go out. Not only do we come to church, not only do we get together and encourage each other, but the whole point is that we go out. And when we go out with Christ, we trust what he has to say over what we can see. How could God use you this year? 
Verse 7, they signaled to their partners in the other boat and said, come help them. They fell down at Jesus' knees. Peter said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. But look in verse 10. And so also were with them James and John, who were partners with Simon. This encounter had nothing to do with James and John. They were swept up in the fact that they were partners with someone that God was speaking to. So I ask you this, who are your partners? Who are the people, if you got on fire for Jesus this year, who are the people that would be impacted by the kingdom of God? How many times could you just be blessing upon blessing if you would reach out and to serve and love others? Who are the partners that would be impacted? I can't tell you the number of times I visited this office to drop in on Pastor Drew, and I was stopped at the door, and I was told, he's praying right now. And I peek in his window, and sure enough, the man of God is on his knees in his own office, no appointment, just praying. If you think I'm not impacted by that, I get back in the car and say, Lord, I am a terrible human being. Because it's good when God is working through somebody and you're close enough to experience it. Who are your partners? Who could be impacted if you decided to get real with Jesus this year? Who are your partners that would be changed? Life is better with friends. Dr. Drew, Pastor John, this church. You know, out of all the churches that uh, are in our state, this is the church that gave us a shot first when it was nothing but a vision. And do you know that when the riots happen, people are looking around, what are the churches that we could minister to, minister through? Did you know that there were only two in our whole convention that were close enough to the epicenter that we could funnel resources through? And did you know that those are the two churches that seven, eight years ago, Dr. Drew and the Church of Severn Run took on to be partners with? Who are your partners? Who are your partners? You see, this year, your story could be totally changed if you determine to walk with Jesus and leverage all you have for, your, for his glory. There are people around you that would be radically changed just by being your partner. So if you won't do it for yourself, do it for people that still need the Lord. Do it for people in your family, your neighbors, your coworkers. Leverage everything for the glory of God this year. We close with this in verse 10. It says, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men or you'll be a fisher of men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. From now on, you will be fishing and catching men. You see, what that tells me, church, is that God will not waste a moment. God will not waste a moment. You see, Peter had been fishing. This metaphor was developed in his life. And all those times where he came in stinky and nobody wanted to be around him was a setup for when he would be preaching the gospel and nobody was trying to hear that. Those times when, when, when he was, when he was get, get, uh, get caught and get hurt and his hands are bloody from work were setting him up for the times when he was going to be uh, beaten and abused. And, and by tradition, it tells us that he was crucified upside down. You see, God was getting him ready through all the hard times of his life. And you say, Pastor, I don't know if God can leverage me. Let me tell you something. You're sitting here today and you say, Pastor, my story is that I've been abused. 
Well, guess what? I know a lot of people that would love to hear how God works through somebody who was abused as a child. Pastor, my story is that, that I've been told I was nothing my whole life, and I'm still trying to live up to, to this seven- or eight-year-old version of myself. Well, I got news for you, church. This world needs more people who go out and tell them, hey, I was just like you too. God will not waste a moment. You say, oh, pastor, I don't know what I can do. I'm just a homemaker with kids. Let me tell you something. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of moms that would love to hear how God is working through you and your children. And this year, right now, all across this area, what would happen if everyone here says, God doesn't waste a moment. God, I know I went through a hard time. God, I know I went through a divorce. God, I know I committed, a, uh, I had an abortion. God, I know that I've, I've, I've slept around, I've done wrong. God, I know that I've got a criminal record. God, I know. And you know what he says back to you? I already know. And I will not waste a moment. You're exactly positioned to reach your partners. You're exactly positioned to let God leverage everything you have for his glory. But you have to decide in 2016, will your resolutions only be about you? Or will you hand it off to him and say, Lord, use me however you want in whatever capacity. Just look in your hands. Would you stand? I'm going to ask you all of times over and over in scripture, what I see over and over in scripture is that God asked for a commitment. God asked for people. He said at the end of that whole verse, he said, you know what? And Jesus said, do not be afraid from now and you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They left what? Everything. They left their job. They left their employment. They left all of it to follow. I, we're not asking you to do all that. What we're saying is that would you let God leverage everything for his glory? Would you say to him, God, you gave me this resource. You gave me this influence. You gave me the circumstances. You gave me my neighbors. You gave me the house. You gave me the car. You gave it all to me anyway. And so, Lord, at the 2016 brand new year in January, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give it all back. And, Lord, you can use it for your glory. Make much of the moments of my life. All across this room, I'm going to ask you to respond to the Lord. Use the front of this altar right now. And if you would, would you come forward symbolically to say, Lord, I give you my life. And by presenting yourself at the front, you're just saying, Lord, I'm stepping out. Because it's so easy to go back to the car and high five a friend and say, that was a nice message. What are we having for lunch? We've got to say, Lord, no, I'm going to stay in this moment. And, and I'm going to come forward and symbolically place myself at your feet. And Lord, you can leverage everything I have for your kingdom. So right now, all across this room, I'm asking, would you come forward and just use this front of the stage as your altar? Kneel down and, and just pray and say, Lord, would you teach me? Would you show me how to give myself to you? Would you show me what I can leverage for your glory? Lord, would you show me the people who need to hear your story? God, I don't want to just go to church, and I don't want to just go to a Bible study and just write a check. God, you've got so much more for my life. If you can use that punk kid from inner city Baltimore, good night, you could use me. The amount of influence that's in this room, if, they would, if people would just turn their lives over and say, Jesus, you've saved me, but now would you use me for your glory? All across this room, let's respond. Even at your seat. You can use your seat as, a, as an altar, but just turn. Altar is where, where things go to die. 
There's a reason that altars are over and over in the scripture. It's because we present ourselves as living sacrifice and say, Lord, use it all. On the road with Jesus doesn't mean you high five and make him your homeboy. It means that you say, Lord, you are my king. You are my king. Leverage all of me for your glory. All across this room, would you come? Would you come? Thank you for joining us today at the church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.